Well, before St. Paul was ever St. Paul, we read from our scriptures today when St. Paul was just Saul from Tarsus. He was a brash, young, faithful, incredibly faithful to his faith in Judaism. But if we read the story of Paul deeper, we also know that he persecuted Christians and even oversaw their deaths. And if you could think of all the people who could ever represent Jesus, why does God call out to Saul? He may be just the worst person or could be the best person to ever represent Christianity. But if you think about it, someone as zealous and as faithful as Paul, if he could be shown the light, so to speak, maybe, just maybe, he could be a powerful, transformative presence for Christ. We hear today in our scriptures, the gospel writer Luke, he recounts the dramatic experience of Saul to Paul around this little town of Damascus in the Bible. We read from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, the story of how Saul became Paul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters of synagogues in Damascus so that he If he found any there who belonged to the way, that's the name that people were given to early Christians, before they were called Christians, they were called people of the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood They're speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus, and for three days, he was blind. He did not, and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on the straight street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he was praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles 
and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scale fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. God, maybe some of us today are like Saul, blinded to what is going on around us, blinded to the ways in which you move, the ways in which you transform. So God, open our eyes that we may see, open our ears to hear your word, open our minds so that we can understand, and open up our hearts to receive your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was 15 years old, I went on a church mission trip to go to Kentucky, rural Kentucky, Appalachia, Kentucky, where some of my family were from. And we were there to repair houses in some of the poorest parts of Kentucky, houses that had roofs falling in, houses that had siding falling off. And as participants in this mission trip, we needed to build ladders to be able to get on these roofs and repair them and be able to get to the siding to, to repair the siding, put up new siding, sometimes paint. But we couldn't afford ladders, so we built ladders out of wood. So we worked together with power saws and nails and hammers and listened to our leaders about the safety, about working with saws and being able to work together all the precautions and safety goggles and all the things you need to do. So as we finished the day building our ladders and all the groups, and as my group was done, we, we high-fived one another. We accomplished something that day. We felt good about the work we started. But just as I took off my safety glasses and started walking away from our site that we were using saws and building the ladders, just then, a gale force wind came out of nowhere and blew sawdust right into my eyes, right from another cruise saw, and I was immediately blinded. And I tried to open my eyes, and each time I opened my eyes, I couldn't see anything, and I was distraught, and I was afraid. I felt like my eyes were on fire. And my friends who were with me on the trip, they tried to help me. And so they brought me to the bathroom and they tried to rinse my eyes out and wash out all the, the sawdust and it wasn't working. Nothing was working. And thankfully, one of the, the members of our work trip who came from my church was a retired doctor. And his name was Doc Mate. And let's just say Doc Mate, when it came to medical care, we have some doctors in here. Well, let's just say he was a little old school, okay? So Doc Mate came up to me 
He said, Alan, Alan, calm down, calm down, calm down. Let me take a look. So Doc Make took his flashlight, and he opened my eyes, and he examined them, and a few moments went by. And after that, he turned his flashlight off, and he says, Alan, I have good news and bad news. And I'm thinking, great. I'm going to be blind for the rest of my life. And I said, okay, Doc Mate, hit me with the bad news. He said, the bad news is you're going to have to wear eye patches, and you're going to be blind for a couple days. You're going to be fine. The good news is, is I have the cure. I have the cure for you, for your eye injury, and I think this will work. So Doc Mate started to narrate what he was going to do and the way he was going to remedy my injury. And he said, Alan, I have some Neurosporin here, and it's triple antibiotic ointment, and this will heal your eyes. And he pulled out the tube, and he read to me, now this says, do not put in eyes, but I'm going to put it in your eyes right here. And so we started putting it all in my eyes. I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, Alan, it's okay. Don't worry. They just put the, the lay, that there on the label because they haven't tested it yet on people's eyes. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean they haven't tested it? I started thinking, what kind of doctor is Doc Mate? Sounds like a crackpot. So he put the ointment on my eyes and said, Alan, I'm going to do this twice a day. You've got to keep your eyes closed. And he bandaged my whole eyes. And for three days, I had to walk around this mission trip being led by people, being taken to meals, being taken to the bathroom, being taken to bed, helping get dressed. Let me tell you, it is very humbling when you're in a situation like that. And so for three days... I waited. I didn't know if I'd ever see again. I didn't know what my life would be, and I thought, oh God, is this normal? Is this the new normal? The questions, the fears. What did I just allow this crazy doctor to do to me? For three days. And I sat there for three days, just like Saul of Tarsus in Acts 9, wondering what is happening to me. I'd like to think that Saul and I kind of went through the same thing on that road to Damascus. There's panic, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's sadness, regret, anger. And I bet he was wondering, is this what the rest of my life is going to be? Now, I'd like to tell you, like Saul, that in my blindness, God gave me some sort of divine wisdom, spoke to me audibly, but it didn't. It would have been really great because it would have been made, made a great sermon to tell you this morning. I recovered from my injuries. But this, that prescription that Doc Mate gave me, it worked, even though the medicine said, do not put in eyes. I'll never forget that experience of being blind for three days. Apparently, Paul never forgot his experience of being blind for three days. Trying to open blind eyes, receiving sight, being healed, coming to believe in Jesus, it was a transformational experience for him. Author Flannery O'Connell once said of Paul, I reckon the Lord knew that the only way to make a Christian out of that one was to knock him off his horse. I don't know if Flannery O'Connell read the story, but there's no horse involved, but you kind of get the idea 
of what the author was getting at. This story is so much about Saul of Tarsus. And it's often painted as the prototypical way of coming to believe in Jesus that someone is living life wrong and something traumatic happens and only for their life to be changed and they live a new life in a new direction. They leave, away, leave behind their old ways, their sinful ways, destructive ways, and now live a life for God. A man named Saul became Paul, St. Paul, as a matter of fact. We know Paul divinely inspired to write much of our New Testament. In the tradition I grew up in, that was the way that people often talked about how they came to believe in God, such a Paul-centric way of looking at belief. And for many, that is the way that some people come to know God. As the hymn is sung, Amazing Grace, I was once lost, but now I'm found, was blind, now I see. What if, however, that the story about this come to Jesus moment is not all about Paul? What if this story is about Ananias? If Paul was literally blind, is it also possible that Ananias was blind? not blind in vision, but blind to the idea that someone like Saul of Tarsus could not only become a believer of Jesus, but also be Christianity's greatest leaders. Even Ananias questions God. God, are you sure you want someone like Saul of Tarsus in our community, in our churches? Do you really want to let this person into my life, God? Do you know what he's done? And God kind of responds, I have picked who I picked for a reason, Ananias. In his book, A Work of the Heart, Reggie McNeil frames the relationship between Paul and Ananias this way. God could have restored the sight of Paul, Paul without outside intervention, yet he chose to heal Paul and anoint him through a human instrument in the person of Ananias. The most courageous believer in Damascus played out a parable of grace. Saul hoped to imprison Ananias, yet Ananias came to set Paul. McNeil goes on to say, Saul experienced through Ananias something new, grace. Saul woke up to a brand new world of relationship to God and others based on the grace he received. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 tell, tells us, commands us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord our Savior Jesus Christ, you know, so many times as Christ followers, we're pretty good at growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have Bible studies, we have small groups, we read our Bibles, go on the internet, find out more about the historical Jesus. But do we grow in our grace? 
Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? And the response from Jesus to Peter is 70 times seven. In other words, a lot. Sometimes we as Christ followers, we have a hard time with this thing called grace. The definition of grace is this, a gift that is undeserving that is given to someone. A gift that is undeserving to give to someone. Clarence Jordan, not the Clarence Jordan here in central New York at the City Mission, you may know him, knew him, but Clarence Jordan was a farmer, a scholar who held a, a doctorate in New Testament Greek. But Clarence Jordan also founded the Konania Farm, which was a small but influential interracial Christian community in southwest Georgia at a time before, during, and after the Civil Rights Movement. And because of this, Clarence and his wife were kicked out of their nearby Baptist church in Georgia because they were crossing racial lines, creating conflict. But one day, after Clarence and his wife got kicked out of their little Georgia Baptist church, a man came to Clarence's house. Clarence Jordan was on his tractor, and he saw that there was a man standing on his porch, so he came off the tractor, came up to the man, and the man said to Clarence, Clarence, I can't sleep at night. I can't sleep at night, and I came to see if you could help. You see, I can't sleep at night because I can't stop hearing singing all night long. The singing goes on and on and on, and Clarence I think it's angels singing to me. And do you know what they're singing to me, Clarence? They're singing, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the man continued. And he said, Clarence, I was there. I was there two weeks ago when our church voted you out, turned their back on you and your wife, and said, he said, Clarence, can you help me? Can you forgive me? Can you forgive me of being a part of that act to push you out? And the man began to weep, and Clarence put his hand on the fellow, and he said, I forgive you. And the man, overcome with emotion, said, Clarence, Will you ask God to forgive me too? And Clarence said, no. No. I will not ask the Lord to forgive you too, but I, here's what I will do. I will go with you and be right next to you as you ask God to forgive you. So Clarence and the man went out in the yard and knelt, and they prayed together. The man asking for, for God's forgiveness, and there in that field, Clarence Jordan and this man 
we're reconciled to one another and to God. I've learned in life that sometimes when you're blinded by hate, blinded by dysfunction, blinded by anger, blinded by confusion and fear, sometimes the prescription that is the remedy for you is not what you think. Sometimes we need a prescription that we thought isn't for us. It's the prescription of grace. Grace is what transformed Clarence Jordan, his friend. Grace is what transformed Paul. Grace is what transformed Ananias. Grace has transformed you. It's transformed me. Grace is the prescription when you can't stop hearing the singing of God's story in your life. Grace is the prescription when you can't stand the sight of someone. See, sometimes on the bottle of life, the instructions on the bottle of life reads, when someone does something to us that causes pain or causes injury, that we do everything we can to make life difficult for people. But God's word, the prescription for us, is grace. Prescription of what we need in life is not intuitive, but rather something restorative. Grace is an undeserving gift that God gives to you, gives to me, and we give to one another. We love the story of how Saul becomes Paul. We love that he saw the light and believed in Jesus. We love transformation stories. We love those stories in television and movies and plays and musical. It's great. It's great when we see those transformation stories. But do we love the story of Ananias? Ananias had to respond to the opportunity God had given him to welcome Saul into his life. Notice that first, Ananias, in verse 13, says, this man, and then as he realizes what grace needs to be given, he calls Paul, in verse 17, brother. Brother Saul, a term of endearment. Friends, you can't have St. Paul without Ananias. You can't have Paul without the transformational presence of Ananias. I'm willing to bet you this morning that there's a Saul in your life. There's someone that you've written off. There's someone who, like Saul, has done some hurtful things, said some hurtful things, things left undone, who needs your forgiveness and grace. And notice how Ananias didn't wait for Saul to say, oh, geez, Ananias, I'm so sorry for the things that I have done. No, Ananias didn't wait for that, I'm sorry, because he knew that the prescription for Saul to see again was not a medicine that most people think works. It is the medicine of life, of grace. Grace is that gift that is given that's undeserved. And Ananias chose to let God do the work of repentance and restoration and transformation. Ananias didn't do the heavy lifting. 
Instead, he remained faithful to the God of grace to bring someone into the fold. You know, today I, I think there might be some saws among us. We've done some pretty awful things, said some awful things. God has grace and forgiveness for you. But today I know that there is some Ananiases among us who have a saw in their life that need to be the earthly presence of God's grace and forgiveness. Notice how Ananias, all he had to do was to go and put his hand on his shoulder and say, Brother Ananias. Brother Paul, I'm here as Ananias to give you hope that God has given you to be restored. May you this week go and find the Saul in your life. Welcome them with grace and forgiveness. And let God do the heavy lifting. Let God do the rest. Let us pray. God, for those of us in our room, we maybe have gone through that transformative experience of what it means to be forgiven by you. God, maybe some of us in this room and some of us even online as we watch, we've always known that you've been a part of our life and we're grateful for the love and grace you've given us. But God, help us know that what it means to be your follower doesn't end there. It's not just about the transformation we've received, but God, in the life of Ananias, he learned and we learn that it's about the grace and forgiveness that we can give others and how, God, you do the transformation. God, sometimes we think we have to change the world or change people's life with grand schemes or plans, but no, oh Lord, we simply have to be faithful to go to someone, to place our hand on their shoulder and say, brother, sister, I forgive you. God, help us know that we too can be blind. We may not be blind in vision, but we can be blind to the ways in which we need to forgive others. The undeserved, unmerited grace that we can give others to give them a second chance, a third chance, because God, we've messed up. We've made mistakes. But you are a God of second, of third, or fourth, or fifth, or seven, or eight. So many chances. So God, help us this week. Find that Saul in our life. Help us to be like Ananias, to welcome someone back and give them a gift of grace. And let you, you do the work in their life. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.